Uh, I, I enjoyed uh, Tom's message last week so much that we we're called to bless. Amen. Let's just start that again. I was so encouraged about Tom's message last week that we were encouraged to bless. We we're called to bless other people. All right. A little bit of life there. This is good. Um, and so I, and I was looking back over uh, the passage that he referred to in Numbers, and I, I thought it was just so fantastic. And I just, uh, I, I just want to start out the, the, this, this concluding, kind of hopefully climactic message about uh, being, uh, living an amplified life. I, I wanted to just start it out by, by, again, giving you this blessing, right? That this is what Moses I heard from God that the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, uh, this is how you're to bless the people. This is how you're to bless my people, right? Say to them. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it to you, okay? You ready? ready? All right. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. That's it. And just in that it says, so that they so they will, so these the priests then, by saying that to the people, will put my name on my people and I will bless them. So just in doing that, it's like putting the name of the Lord on you, and it says, and that God will bless you. Isn't that pretty amazing? I think it's really good. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So there, I put his name on you. And may the Lord bless you indeed. Wow, we need that, right? How good, how good God is to be for us. In order that we might be for him. We're not, he's not for us so that we can be uh, for us. He's for us so that we can be for him. Because life is truly found in him and in our relationship with him. So praise God for what he wants to do and is doing in our lives. I know God's at work with you. I remind you that God is in conversation with every person in this room. You may not be paying attention to it, or you may be. You may be resisting it. You may be open to it. You may be following after what he's saying to you. But I will tell you this, that God is in conversation with every person in this room. Sometimes he's shining his light. Sometimes he's calling you into an obedience. Sometimes he's, uh, you know, de- declaring his love to you. Sometimes he's bringing healing into your life. But God is always there. He's always standing at the door and knocking on the door of the church. Right, we usually use that phrase from the Book of Revelation to refer to how God's, you know, knocking on the door of unbelievers. But really, He's knocking on the door of His people. He's knocking on the door and saying, "Yeah." And if you if you let Him in, He'll come in and He'll fellowship with you, and life will never be the same. So let Him in, right? Yeah, just go ahead and do that right now in your current circumstances, your current frame of mind. Just let Him in. You in a bad mood today? Just let Him in. You're celebrating successes? Let him in. Oh, I just feel like I should do this. Uh, Ron and Donna, can you, Donna, can you help Ron stand? Would you guys stand up? These people have been married 70 years. Would you just? Right? 
70 years. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> I'm tired just thinking about that. That's awesome. So we just want to acknowledge you and celebrate with you. So praise be to God. Amen. All right. Um, amplified, just amplified. See, we're to live, we're not to live a muted, private, privatized Christian life, life with God. Oh, it's not, it's not to be like subdued, sort of under the radar, um, ashamed of it. Um, nervous, just nervous about sharing it. We're actually to live an amplified life. We're, we're, we're to be experiencing so much of God in our lives that the life he is stirring up within us is just like, it's just breaking out of the constraints of our inhibitions and uh, fears it's breaking out of the constraints of our worry about pleasing other people or it breaks out of the constraints of having to have my own way. It's just like we're to live an amplified life, just a, a, a life that is just um, overflowing and with joy because of what we're discovering in our relationship with God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the letter of First Peter, called First Peter, the Apostle Peter writes this letter to the believers scattered all around what is modern-day Turkey now. And we understand this word to be a word for us as well. And we've been trying to understand what it means that we're to live an amplified life. So I, I want to just zero in on kind of a, you know, kind of a put, put a bow around this. <laughs> Although not, not really to wrap it up in a way, but more like, like a commencement. Commencement, you know, is not the end of, it's not, it's not the end of something, really. Commencement means it's, you're at the beginning of something. So you're, you're beginning now. To, you're being set out to live this kind of life. And that, that's what I want to help us understand. I want to help us understand it in terms of, of, uh, of fire and faith. Of fire and faith, of the fiery ordeal, right? The, the fire of life. Not, not that we're fired up for God, which we are to be. That's one way to think about the fire. But it's also like this life that we're living in relationship with God. I mean, like, it's like you, we go through the fire sometimes, right? We go through the difficulty. We go through trials. We, we, and we'll talk about this as we go. And how, how fire and faith, just how they work together. Our faith in God is being refined. And like, just like, like, like gold is refined by the fire, so our faith being refined by trials is also, our faith in is proved genuine. Because like if your faith collapses in the midst of all of this and you just kind of like say, hey, man, I'm, I'm quitting. <laughs> it just, re- it doesn't, it doesn't say so much about God. It says a lot about your, about you. It says about about your faith, right? So f- fire and faith, faith and fire. Just want to just land on some of this and talk about how to live in this amplified life. We want to, in the midst of life as it is, as it is, your life 
as it is. I know I've said that a lot of times, but that's your curriculum for Christ-likeness. Your life as it is, that's your curriculum, right? As Your life as it is. This is where, right now, in these circumstances, these relationships, these challenges, this is where you get to learn how to follow Jesus Christ, right? And many times I've said it, I repeat to you, you don't get somebody else's life, you get yours, <laughs> But it's not a life without God. Remember, it's not never intended to be intended to be a life without the vital, real, pulsating presence of Jesus Christ. So whatever you're going through, God is always, if you're in Christ, God is always holding your heart. Your heart is going to be okay. Even though you may have to go through various trials and great struggle and a lot of temptations maybe, maybe a lot of opposition, but God has your heart. It's just a beautiful thing. God has your heart. If, now, let him have your heart, right? But God has your heart. And your heart's going to be okay as you follow after Jesus Christ, no matter what's going on in your life. Okay? That's a pretty bold statement, but it tells us also about the care of God. So when the pressure is on then, when we experience opposition in our determined devotion to Jesus... How are we to stand strong? How can our lives really be like amplified so that we live like more more fully into God and more publicly in freedom with Jesus Christ? So the first I just want to know, and there are four four pieces in this. We just want to walk through, kind of looking all over the passages in in, in this little letter. Amplified, we are amplified first through being made fully alive in Jesus Christ. Fully made alive in Jesus Christ. This, this is, Jesus is your life. Could you say that? Jesus is my life. Would you say it? Jesus is my life. So you've been made alive. By, uh, chapter 1 verse 3, remember said, we have been born again by the, into a living hope by his great mercy for us. So we have been given hope. The most hopeful people on the planet are the followers of Jesus Christ. I didn't say the Christians. Because a lot of times, that ain't true. The most frightened people in there sometimes are the Christians. The most most upset, mean-spirited people on earth can be the Christians. But the the Christ followers, the Christ followers are the most hope-filled people on the planet. Amen? Because you've been born again into a living hope. And I hope we can reclaim the word Christian somewhere along the line. But I tell you, to be a Christ follower, you've been born by the mercy of God, the grace of God, the love of God has reached your life, has just completely done a number on you, and you've been born again into a living hope through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's, here's, here's another beautiful thing about it. Though you have not seen him, you love him, Right? Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the saving of your souls. So here's this. You you haven't seen him, but you love him. (laughs) I've never never saw Jesus the way Peter saw Jesus. I've never seen him. But maybe you're like me. But boy, do I love him. (laughs) I I love him. I've never seen him. I've never seen him. 
I've taken by faith what I have been told about him and what he's done for me. And when I did that, he did this number on my life. So I'm born again into a living hope. I'm not the old David. I'm I'm a new creation. And I'm learning how to live into my fullness, the fullness of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I got to tell you, he is, he is lovable, right? He is adorable. He's worth loving and adoring. So I, even though I haven't seen him, I love him. This is like, this is like, this is the beginning, man, of an amplified life of following Jesus. Like, you, you love him, right? I don't even know how to get visceral enough about that, right? It's just not here. Just not, yeah, I love him. Yeah, do you love God? Yeah, I love God, you know. You know, what's for dinner? Who are the Seahawks playing? Oh, yeah, they're playing today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We love a lot of things. But these people were loving him enough to lay down their lives for him. And I love him. I love him. I I, I just, I I really need to go back and, and tell you again the words of Brendan Manning. Because our love for him only occurs because we are convinced that he loves us. Brittany Manning's words are these. And again, pardon me for, I mean, I, I think I spoke these words last spring. His testimony. He said this, In the 33 years since I was first ambushed by Jesus, I am now utterly convinced that on Judgment Day, the Lord Jesus will ask one question and only one question. Did you believe that I loved you? That I desired you? That I waited for you day after day? That I longed to hear the sound of your voice? The real believers will respond and say, I believed in your love and I tried to shape my life as a response to that love. But many of us who are so faithful in our ministry and our practice and our church going are going to answer, well, frankly, no, sir. I never really believed it. And there's the difference between a real believer and a nominal Christian. No one can measure like a believer the depth and intensity of God's love. But then again, no one can measure like a believer the effectiveness of our gloom, our pessimism, our low self-esteem, our self-hatred and despair that block God's way to us. Do you see why it's so important to lay hold of this basic truth of our faith? Because if you are only going to be as big as your own concept of God, you are only going to be as big as your own concept of God. We make God in our own image and he winds up being as fussy and rude and narrow-minded and judgmental and legalistic and unloving and forgiving as we are. I have a word for you. Jesus says this. I know your life story. I know every skeleton in your closet. I know every moment of sin and shame and dishonesty and degraded love. That darkens your past. And right now, I know your shallow faith and your feeble prayer life and your inconsistent discipleship. And my word for you is this. I dare you to trust that I love you just as you are, not as you should be, because none of us is as we should be. Wow. What is the response to such love? Even though 
you haven't seen him, you love him. You just love him because why? It's just like, you know, is God like a parent that says, love me? And you say, why? And he says, because I said so. No. <laughs> he calls us to love him. And we say, why? And he says, because I love you so much. Did you know that God's most treasured, most treasured, valued possession is his relationship with you. Amplified. You want to live an amplified life? It's got to be a life so convinced of God's love for you that it that it just flips it back and says, well, then I'm going to love you if you have loved me like that. I'm going to believe in you. And it says, even though you haven't seen him, you believe in him and you're filled with inexpressible joy. See, the loud life is not just living amplified, loud, obnoxious life. It's a life that is filled with the joy of the exchange of love that's coming from the Father to us and from us back to him. Amplified. Wow, that's a good start, right? On living an amplified life. All right, here's the next one. Amplified through making the biggest decision of your life. The biggest decision of your life. Chapter 3, verse 15. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. In your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. This is the biggest decision you'll ever make in your life. To set apart Jesus Christ as Lord. That means in a sense that that you recognize that Jesus has placed himself squarely in the critical middle of everything for everyone. Just think about that. Jesus has placed himself in the critical middle of everything for everyone. On every day. (laughs) Right? That Jesus is Lord means that he is like the central person in my life. Determining the direction of my life. He's the person that I look to for wisdom, guidance, for strength. He's the one I look to for direction. He's the one I look to for purpose. He's the one I look to for meaning and fulfillment and freedom. He's the one I look to. All other lords are sham pretenders. Only Jesus is the world's one true Lord. Amen? And so and so, um, I put no limit on how far I will go in following him. He's worth the relationship. And my relationship with him is the decisive factor in everything. Right? Well, that's, and that's a way to be learned. That's the way to be understand. But it, it, but it has to do with set apart Jesus Christ. In other words, you just literally, you take Jesus and you set him apart. You sanctify him to your own heart as the Lord. Right? You, and it means you give him his intended purpose over your life. His intended purpose is to be the Lord of your very own life. Uh, uh, Catherine Daughtery says that this is the intelligence of the heart. 
the intelligence of the heart is when it sets Jesus Christ apart as Lord in your hearts. Right? Set him apart as Lord, always being ready to give an answer to everyone who asks the reason for the hope that is in you. So, so all, because we always want to be ready to give an answer, then we are living in this always setting Jesus apart as Lord within our lives. Who are you following today? Who will you follow tomorrow? Who will you follow when it's difficult, when you're confused at first, when you have questions, when you've been offended, when there are deep hurts coming into your life, when, there's, when it seems like you're in the desert, when there seems to be no provision, when you have more questions and answers? Who will be Lord? That's always the question. So set apart Jesus Christ as Lord. That will be the only way to live an amplified life. Because if you don't set apart Christ as Lord, then you're not going to amplify the, rea- the reality of the good news of Jesus because you're going to be too disappointed with him. Set apart. Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, man. What a, what, a, what a great opportunity. And then with that, you just let yourself be pulled into a way of life that, shapes, shape, that is shaped by God's life. And you just, you just let Jesus keep pulling you in his way, right? And you take the brakes off. And you don't make it hard, you know? Don't you sometimes, did you ever want to say to your kids, don't make it so hard. All you have to do is just like, come on, just like, don't make it so hard, right? And I'm sure we've said that to one another. Well, if I haven't said it to people, I sure have wanted to at times. <laughs> why do you make this so hard, right? Why, why resist? I'm sure that God, who has just our best interests in mind, many times he just says, don't, take the brakes off. Take, take, I'm I'm good. I've, by mercy, you've been born again into a living hope. I love you. You know, take the brakes off. Let, just let your life be pulled into this way. Quit bartering with me. Quit trying, to, quit trying to figure everything out. Just like yield to me and you're, you'll be amazed at what you get to see. And what will become clear for your life. Amen. Amplified. Just amplified life, right? So is that, have you said yes to that amplified life of this big decision, Jesus is Lord? You look at the problem, you say, Jesus is Lord. You look at the strained relationship, you say, Jesus is Lord. You look at your own heart struggle, and you say, Jesus is Lord. You look at all the enemy's lies, and you say, Jesus is Lord. You look at your own doubts, and you say, Jesus is Lord. All right, next. We live an amplified life by rejoicing in the sufferings of Christ. Suffering. Chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised. Really, the word is beloved, so we always remember that we're beloved. I wish it wasn't translated dear friends because it really is dearly loved. Dearly loved ones. Okay, dearly loved ones, do not be surprised by the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. 
we're, we're called to live in blessing and to give blessing. And I always want to think that that means that everything goes smoothly. <laughs> Not so, right? Not so. Let's just talk about this. Like amplified by rejoicing in the sufferings of Christ. Or do not be surprised when fiery ordeals, you know, fire and faith, right? Fiery ordeals come upon you to test you. Let's talk about suffering for just a moment. Um, You can suffer for being a Christian, right? You could suffer for having faith. You could be made fun of. You could be insulted. Uh, Now, it shouldn't be because because you're obnoxious, and it should not be because you're judgmental, you know, and kind of hateful toward people. Uh, And by judgmental, I don't mean that we don't discern between right and wrong. It just means that when we approach people, we don't look at them through the lens of how we disagree with them. We look at them through the lens of how much God loves them. Right? Okay. So there's suffering for being a, a believer. And when you are suffering for being a believer, what you're to do, he says, throughout the book, he says, you are to do good. Like if you're being insulted, then just keep doing good. And if it, don't insult people back. Tom talked about that last week. But bless them, right? And, and you are, we, in that same verse he talked about last week, we are, to, we are to love peace and we're to pursue peace. So this is how we are to handle these sufferings that come. And we're to rejoice that we're suffering for being a follower of Jesus. So I'm, I'm a little concerned about how much we really don't suffer for being a follower of Jesus because we don't live a very amplified life in following Christ. But if you really lived, we really lived an amplified life in following Christ, we would experience a measure of suffering. And it wouldn't be because we were being dumb. It would be because we are actually loving the unlovable. We are going places that Jesus would go. We would, we would just risk ourselves, lay our lives down for people, even if we don't agree with them. We would just be doing so much good in the world. And, and really, we may be insulted on the one hand, but on the other hand, people are going to say, my goodness, why do you people have so much hope? And it's not just my personal hope. Why do you love those people like that? And you say, because I have hope for them. I have hope for them. Amen? Now, you can suffer for being a Christian, but you can suffer as a Christian, too. So there's a, I want to just nuance that a little bit. Suffering as a Christian is that as a person who is a follower of Jesus Christ, things don't always go right. You, you suffer. Let me tell you one of the way, ways in which you may suffer. You may suffer just because, you know, <laughs> life is hard. <laughs> There's not enough money for the bills. There's, there's not enough, you know, you've made some bad decisions in the past and you're suffering for it. Or other people have made bad decisions and you're suffering for it, right? You suffer as a So as you suffer as a believer, what are you to do? Just bless. Just bless and you forgive and, you know, all this. There's some other way, a deeper way in which we suffer as a believer, and that is this. We, we suffer because we are, uh, we're at, at we're fighting this battle against self in our lives. And I tell you, man, some of the most painful suffering things I go through is when I have to take my pride in myself or some stronghold in my life or something that's ruling over my emotions and my attitude and I have to take that thing and I have to kill it. (laughs) 
when I have to say no to self, I will tell you, my self does not appreciate being told no. <laughs> and neither does yourself. Yourself does not appreciate it being told no. I, I love how the message translation says it in chapter 4, the first verses. Uh, Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Think of your sufferings as, wearing, as weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. And then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. So a lot of times the suffering that I'm going through is just really the suffering of the death of the old self. The death of myself insisting on its own way. Man, but, but boy, one way the enemy wants to just mute your life and your witness for Christ is just to make you a person that even in your Christianity, you're all about you. But God has a better way. So don't be surprised at the, at the fiery ordeal, but instead rejoice. And then I want to say, so let's make it a point in this not to be barely saved, right? Not to be barely saved, but to be joyfully faithful. I'm really uh, kind of mesmerized by this verse. It, it says this, verse 18. Uh, and if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Isn't that Curious. There's a lot of ways in which that perhaps could be understood. If it's hard or difficult for the righteous to be saved. Well, there's, there's a sense in which, man, this, this life is a gift from God to us. But, man, we have a hard time at times breaking through strongholds, breaking through the, the hesitations and our fears and the, you know, and, the, and, and the ways in which we have kind of nursed wounds from the past and it all binds us up and Jesus is trying to liberate us and the old self is going, ah, you know, it's difficult. <laughs> There's another thing it means, though, too. It, it, it's this, like if the righteous are, are barely saved. That, that's one translation. Not difficult for them to be, but if they're scarcely saved, just barely saved. And, and the way I, I think this could be read is this, that if, if we are just like, if we're not living an amplified life, we're just barely saved. Like, we're just barely saved. Like, yeah, got my, I've got my salvation. I believe in Jesus. I'm not living really very faithfully and forthrightly for him or joyfully in him. And I'm not, I'm not really doing good when people do bad. You know, I'm just not, I'm not, I don't know what to do with all this, but, but if I'm, you know, if in the end, like a lot of us like to say, hey, you know, you might have lived your life for the devil, but if you accepted Jesus at the end, you're going to be saved? I just, I don't know. I mean, I believe that God's salvation is eternal and secure within us. But I want to tell you something. If we are barely saved, this should really concern us. If we're only about getting through by the skin of our chinny-chin-chin, and we're not concerned about representing Jesus in his glory to the world around us. If we're barely saved, what will become of those who have not yet heard about Jesus? If we're not living an amplified life, if we're not just living a life that's just like, just loving and bold and gracious and generous and doing good and speaking kindly and pursuing peace and laying our lives down in sacrifice 
for one another and for all others. If, if, if we're not doing that, who's going to ever hear that Jesus is somebody that should be followed? But if we are doing that, then there's hope for the yet unrighteous. Amen? Does that make sense? I mean, I just think, whoo, this is a call to us to live an amplified life. Amen? Okay, lastly, last thing. Live an amplified life by standing firm in hope. Stand firm in hope. Humble yourselves, verse 6 says, chapter 5. Under God's mighty hand that he may lift you in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And be alert and sober. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So this is it. Stand firm and faithful, resisting your enemy, the devil. (laughs) Don't spend so much time thinking about your flesh and blood enemy, those aren't, that's not really where a battle is, right? But stand firm, right? By standing firm and faithful in hope, stand firm, resisting your enemy, okay? Because he wants to take you out, <laughs> but Jesus is far stronger, far stronger. And the last part of that is this, expect God to show up. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you have suffered for a little while. Will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be power forever and ever. Amen. So expect God to show up. Like you, you can live an amplified life no matter what's going on. If, you're, if your expectancy is that God's going to show up. God's going to show up sometimes to deliver. Sometimes, that's what this was about. Sometimes God's going to show up just to show you where he's working and how he's providing strength and, and, and supplying resources. And, oh, man, and you'll say, man, by your help, oh, God, I've come this far, right? Because God showed up. Amplified. Amplified. Wow. Thank you, Lord. I just, um, Chris, just a little um, plot twist here. Okay. I, could we go back? I just, when we were singing that song earlier, Take Courage, I just felt like we need to go back to that. Could we do that? But listen, this is like, God, has, God, he loves you. Like, I just wish I could look every one of you right in the eyes, and then I wish I could disappear, and you could see Jesus standing right in front of you, looking in your eyes and saying to you, I love you. Do you believe this? I want you. Will you let me be your Lord? I am with you in the suffering and the trouble. So let's hang hang in there together because I have your heart. And stand firm. The enemy is not going to get the last word. And God is going to show up. Amen? Amen? And guess what? When we live like that, the world will be saying, what is up with you? And we get to say, let me tell you about Jesus. Father, oh Lord, mighty God, in all, in all your beauty, in your, in your worthiness,
in your all-out sacrifice for us. We just want to thank you for what you're trying to say to us. So, so take the human words I've tried to use and say something that is so clearly of you that we will humble ourselves before you and watch you use our lives in ways that bring you honor and draw many others into a relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, Lord Jesus. Amen. Going to do something just a little different in this part as we stand and sing. I want to invite you, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you at any place on any of this, I want to invite you to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's, that's the mighty hand. That's the resurrection hand of God. The mighty hand of God is not the hand that crushes. It's the, it's the hand that raises. Amen? So I invite you to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God to come and, and just to kneel down at the front and say, Jesus, you are Lord. I choose to love you back. <laughs> I Repent of not believing that you love me. I will embrace, you know, sufferings and what I'm going through with joy because I know your glory is going to be revealed. I will resist the evil one and believe that you're going to show up. So if God has spoken and you want to, and, and, and I just invite you to demonstrate this humbling yourself before God. So just let's stand together, shall we? And as we sing, just come, just just kneel here, I mean, on your knees. Like, and if your knees can't handle that, come and sit on the front seats here or sit on the bench here. But let's just say, God, this, you are worthy of this. And I'm going to give myself to who you are. Amen? Yes, praise be to his name.